Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we preview the U.S. Open with Jared Ladderbrook of Golf Manitoba. And then our very own Ross Levitan gives us the lowdown on the sale of the Ottawa Senators coming up on the podcast. Well, now, the U.S. Open begins tomorrow at Los Angeles Country Club with a big slew of golfers competing to win the third major on the men's golf calendar. To preview the action, we're going to check in with Jared Ladderbrook, our friend from Golf Manitoba, their executive director. And before we get to this weekend's golf, though, Jared, we have to look back at what happened on Sunday in Toronto. Heard it in a podcast that no player has ever won the U.S. Open after winning the event the week before the U.S. Open. So I guess that means Nick Taylor won't win this week. But what was your experience seeing that putt go in on Sunday to win the Canadian Open? Oh, that was unbelievable. Uh, what a moment for Canadian golf. I mean, uh, we've, we've seen such success over the last number of years. Um, but then in the fashion that, that he pulled it off, um, I mean, yeah, it's really tough to put into words. What a moment for him, for the country. And, and uh, I mean, 72 feet eagle putt on 18 in front of that crowd. I mean, you, you couldn't have written, written it any better. What's the longest putt you've ever made? Regardless oh, of the circumstances. Oh, definitely not 72 feet. I think I heard them comment that was the longest putt he's made uh, in his PGA Tour career. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say maybe I've, I've might made one that's about uh, 40 or 50 feet, but uh, that 72 feet, I mean, that's, that's, that's unheard of. Definitely wasn't to uh, win your country's national title after a 69-year <laughs> drought, though, was it? It, uh, it wasn't. That, that's, that's for sure. So looking ahead to, to the U.S. Open now, do you like it when it's on the West Coast versus the East Coast? Because you're going to be able to watch this till like 9 p.m. this weekend. Yeah, for the golf fan, this is fun. I mean, for our time zone, we you, you turn it on and you'll see it all day long. And it's one of those events that we can watch all day. Um, it's, uh, it's an exciting uh, event and um, a nice follow-up to the excitement that we saw this past week, and and uh, what a golf course they're they're playing it at. It uh, it's shaping up to be, uh, and, and the weather's going to be obviously really nice. So uh, it's just going to be a fun championship to watch. So what do you know about this course in Los Angeles? Uh, I'm looking at some of the stats. I mean, it's been a kind of a, you know a hidden a hidden golf course in terms of uh, major championship golf. I think it hosted a Walker Walker Cup in, in 2017, and and to my understanding, there you know the membership is looking to to maybe change that and and you know uh, maybe host more championships in the future. But uh, it's it's a bear of a golf course. Um, I think coming in at over you know, seven thousand four hundred yards. Um, typical U.S. Open, they've got a lot of long par fours uh, on it. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think three or four over five hundred yards. Uh, there's uh, there's some gettable par fours on it too. So. It's a nice mix, um, par 70, um, and it's going to, you know, from what the, some of the pictures I'm seeing, we're seeing some really wide uh, fairways, which is something that you haven't traditionally seen at a U.S. Open. But uh, this is a bit of a different look, um, and it's, it's going to, for sure, you know, test the best players in the world. This is the first major since the Saudi Tour basically, well, the Saudis bought the PGA Tour, essentially. Uh, that overshadowed to some degree the start of the Canadian Open. Obviously, Nick Taylor hitting that putt 
we all kind of forgot about the Saudi part of it for, for a little bit there. But yeah. do you think that is a storyline at all going into this? Because I feel like we talk about it at every major, but then the golf starts and we forget about it. Yeah, there's some there's some irony in this, and I think we first heard about the buy the buy or the uh, the live tour at the Canadian Open last year, and then we hear about the merger this year at the same event. Um, it certainly golf is in a the professional side, the the commercial side is in an interesting state right now, and there's a lot of uh, I, I haven't been following it, uh, you know, um, too closely, but there's a lot, lot of things happening in the background and. Uh, some change in in uh, leadership and some things going on that that certainly is is the talk and um, it's nice that we'll be able to to let uh, the players do their thing this week and and you know vie for the U.S. Open but yeah there's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out um, you know looking at from a player standpoint you know those players that were loyal that that remained with the tour and and now those that left are are eligible to eventually come back and just the, the shift in landscape where this is going uh, depends who you listen to, but it, it apparently is going to put the, you know, the professional side in a better place. But I, that all remains to be seen. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, regulatory uh, review that this has to go through, but it certainly has been the, the hot topic in golf right now. Brooks Kepka coming in, having won the PGA championship. John Rahm won the masters. They are two of the three betting favorites. To win this tournament, Scotty Scheffler is the odds-on favorite at plus 600, 6-1 to one odds right now. Uh, from what we've seen from Scheffler, his putting has been really bad. So is, is that going to be a, a hurdle he can't overcome at this event, or do you still view him as the guy to beat? Depends on, on, I mean, it can, it can change. It can change very quickly. Um, you know, even at this level, confidence is, is obviously something that, uh, that a player can use to, to their advantage and, and, uh, depends on, on, on what happens with this putter. Um, but he's got, he's got a great game and, uh, you know, he's, he's played quite well, uh, this past year. And, uh, if it gets hot, I mean, look out, I mean, he's, uh, he's such a nice player and he's certainly I think sitting number two on the FedEx cup rankings right now. And obviously established himself as, as one of the premier players in the world. So, um, you know, don't count him out. A, a hot putter can go very warm very quickly. So wa- watch for him on the leaderboard this weekend. I'm curious before I forget, the winning score, when the score at the U.S. Open is barely above par or barely below par, do you prefer that to someone winning at 12 or 13 under? Do you like it when it's a real grind out there and the course kind of eats everyone up? Yeah, I think it kind of, it, it really, it, you know, I think the U.S. Uh, GA has has kind of placed par as sort of the benchmark for this championship, and they they've they've traditionally set their golf courses up to to try and make that as the target score. Um, you know, rather than see players uh, you know make six, seven, or eight birdies in the round, uh, you know we're seeing them <laughs> just try and make par. Uh, so it really puts an onus on, uh, well, this event has become about distance, um, about accuracy and, and being able to, to get up and down from some really tough places. Um, you know, so I, I think it's, it's different. It's fun. Uh, we all like watching birdies and eagles, but at the same time with this event, you know, you see players, like I said, grinding it out for a par and, and, uh, and shooting even par is a good score. So this is a different look at the professional side. And I, I enjoy watching that, that aspect of it. Minus six, the winning score. Each of the last three, 
U.S. Opens. Gary Woodland won it uh, with 13 under par at Pebble Beach in 2019, yeah. which was kind of an anomaly because of the weather. And Brooks Kepka in 2018 was one over, which was kind of the, the traditional U.S. Open winning mm-hmm. score. So looking at the kind of player that this course might favor, do you think we're going to see a, a kind of a star-studded leaderboard, or do you think there's an opportunity for someone a little more anonymous to get in there this week? Yeah, I mean, just the, the, the where it's positioned in, in the schedule. I mean, we are, if you can believe it or not, closing in on, on sort of the, 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 the last half of the of the the regular season here and you it's probably going to you're going to see a player that's that's played well and established themselves over the past uh the past season so you know unless there's someone out there that just really goes uh berserk with their putter and and, and has a hot streak um you know it's it's probably going to favor that player that's you know got their game in order and and uh and is, is trending to make a, a run here at the at the end of the year with the fedex cup so i i you know i i would 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 be surprised if we saw someone you know vying for it that we haven't really heard of all year long. Corey Connors, the uh, highest odds Canadian to win this at sixty six hundred to one, didn't have a, a great close to the Canadian Open. He was in contention for the first couple of days, but really, until we see otherwise, is he going to be kind of the top of the list of a Canadian to contend for a major? We've also got Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, obviously, but it seems like Connors the guy at the top of the list right now. Well, he's getting the most attention. Well, up until this past week, um, uh, you know, he's he's been the Canadian to watch, um, and has probably been in a position, you know, more than the others, um, you know, in, in the major championship side of things. So that's got to help uh, that experience uh, that he brings with it. Um, you know, you know, playing in, in some of those final groups over the last couple of years and being in contention. So that has something to, to you know, certainly to do with it. But I mean, if you look at the at the seven Canadians that are playing in this, in this event, I mean, they've all done quite well the last number of years. So, um, yeah, I think really what it, what's going to keep, you talked about it early with, with putting, uh, someone starts rolling a few in and, and, and gets that confidence. You know, I, I think, you know, any one of these players could certainly, um, you know, buy for that top Canadian spot. But I don't think we think a Canadian's going to win, do we? We can hope, but we we can hope but uh i mean we'd all like to see that but uh you never know you just you never know with with this game it's true uh before i let you go how are things going with golf manitoba's calendar so far really good uh we uh we had a great start to our our year uh competitive year with the match play championship um over at uh, the beautiful glendale uh, golf and country club and and saw some some uh some nice competition over over the week uh, there, and, and we're, we're shifting right into uh, really into the bulk of our season. We have our uh, uh, men's mid amateur qualifier this weekend coming up, um, and then as we get into July, we're you know we're going uh, uh, with our junior championship early July, and following that up with our women's amateur and men's mid amateur, and our our men's amateur championship in the middle of the month. So um, things have been have been going really well, and, and we look forward to uh, an exciting. Uh, uh, next couple of months of golf. Well, Jared, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, perhaps we'll check in right around the Open Championship time. Thanks a lot, Christian. The Ottawa Senators were sold yesterday after a very long, drawn-out process, and a man who has been following this for his Locked On Senators podcast is Ross Levitan, who moonlights as a, a an anchor and the backup host 
for the CGOB Sports Show. Ross, how does it feel to see that team finally have someone buying it? Oh, it's going to be so nice to not have to deal with the news clippings that we've had over the years from uh, from Eugene Melnick. Obviously, untimely passing, had passed it down to his daughters. 218 days later, off the market. So, yes, a relief. And, I mean, in Winnipeg, people can nitpick about some ownership things, but it's pretty stable at the end of the day with the guys they have at the helm, and it just hasn't been that in Ottawa. So, it's a, it's. I don't think too much to say it's the biggest day in franchise history. So, this process was very public with, uh, you know, for at first Ryan Reynolds going on Jimmy Fallon and saying he wants to own the Senators, and he gets with a group. Snoop Dogg gets with a different group. The, but we, the weekend was the, with the third. And then it ends up being Michael and Lauer, the yes. owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, minority owner with the center of the Canadians. There was no big public anything with Ann Lauer. There was no celebrity. It's just a rich guy buying the team as a Senator supporter, seeing him be the one get it. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I think beyond elated because if if anyone's kind of been around the Senators over the last number of years, calm, cool, collected, these are not words that have been described as the uh, internal operations of how things are run. And now it just seems like a self-made man. He was eating powdered mil- uh, milk and uh, cereal growing up with a single mom in Montreal, started his own company, built it up to an empire that's now worth $1.1 billion and he just loves hockey. He's a beer league goalie, so I can relate with him uh, on that level. And everywhere he's gone, all he's wanted to do is win. He got in with the Hamilton Bulldogs when they were an AHL team. And sure, Carey Price helped, but he got a sure. Calder Cup under his belt there. And then has since, he was kind of led. And ironically, he moved the Belleville Bulls out of Belleville. And now he's buying the team that's AHL affiliate plays in Belleville. So he might have to do some mending, some handshakes in that city sure. to make up for it. But with the Hamilton Bulldogs, he really invested in analytics. He invested in the team and they won the OHL championship in 2019. So I think from that standpoint, it's all good. Sometimes it felt like everyone was trying to out publicize the next. There was a group, uh, the Nico Sparks group that you mentioned had Snoop Dogg every week. It was like, okay, the Dragon's Den people are, are in. Okay. Now Donovan Bailey's invested in this group and it just felt like it, they were adding an adding and adding just to make headlines whereas michael anlauer through this whole process didn't say a word you know why because as you mentioned he's been in the nhl for more than a decade with the montreal canadians he knows gary bettman doesn't need the loudest one he wants you to kind of go about your business and that's what it feels like it is here and uh it's perfectly boring call it um, a a perfect pair for the city of ottawa sure but uh when it comes to senators it's been nothing but uh headlines like my favorite one here and and just to kind of put a bow on on eugene melnick's tenure some reporter in 2009 after they made the cup final had a great season fizzled out in 08 lost in four to the pittsburgh penguins who ended up going to the final next year hey do you need to rebuild this is a direct quote from eugene melnick anyone who thinks we need to blow this up should get a bomb and blow themselves up Oof. So just things like that where it's like so unnecessary to pick fights. Just say no. No, just say no. And at the outdoor game in 2018. Oh, I remember that. He, he says, hey, if uh, if you guys don't buy tickets, I'm going to move the team. Like it, it was just things like that where you're not going to get that from uh, a Michael Anlauer. All he needs to do is spend to the cap, keep his mouth shut, and let the guys who he hires in place to do his thing. And the big rumor right now is Steve Steos won the championship with him as his GM in Hamilton, and now he's with the Edmonton Oilers. Could he be a GM? What's going to happen there? And uh, it's it's almost as interesting as the Jets. Not quite because of the player movement that's bound to happen here in Winnipeg, right. but it's going to be really fun across Canada this summer. Was this, as a fan following this for, for months, was it annoying? Yes. 
I I want to talk about pucks in deep. I want to talk about point streaks. I want to talk about, well, playoffs. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've never talked about playoffs and starting the show in five years. But uh, it it did drag on. Like, I was I was researching what a capital gains tax is. That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound too fun. Because I, I feel like every couple of weeks you'd come in and I'd ask you what's the latest. And there's nothing. Nope. There's just more rumors and the price tag is this or that and all these groups and how is it not done yet? How is it not done yet? Now it's finally done. So I think a question a lot of people want to know, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, but the fact they have an owner now, does that mean a new arena is coming? Ooh, well, now it's what's the backup plan, which is good. You need a contingency plan. The National Capital Commission owns the land. If anyone knows Ottawa, LeBreton Flats is, is such a valuable piece of real estate right at the foot of Parliament Hill. It would just connect areas of the city and it'd be right on the... the Right on the skyline, it would look great in photos, postcards, all that great stuff. But right now, it's what are the other options downtown? The mayor it just came out today. He did an article. The mayor of Ottawa is ecstatic that it was Michael Ann Lauer. Now, what's he going to say publicly? Oh, it was brutal. They have to work together. I get it. Business, you're going to be you know, polite, cordial. But with Michael Ann Lauer, it just feels like, like he's an Ontario guy. He's, he's been in Hamilton for a number of years, Muskoka's and... Uh, I just think he knows the area well enough, and and he'll he'll fit in. I I really do think an arena is going to come soon, and maybe soon being five six years, it's going to take a long time to to go from from excavation to celebrating a, a an NHL event there. But it needs to happen because have you ever been been out to the one in Ottawa? I have not been to an NHL game there, but when they had the Olympic curling trials right. there in two thousand and seventeen, yep, I went there and it's far. Uh, it's not close. No. no, it was a track. And you can't even just like stumble out of the rink and go to a bar. Like anywhere, any establishment you go to is at least a stop on the highway away or a $20 Uber. It's almost like if the Jets played in Oak Bank or something like that, or they played out at Birds Hill. Yeah. It, yeah. like, I was going to say um, over at IG Field, but that's way too close. That's in the city still. Way too close. Yeah. Right? Canada is not. In no, Ottawa, no, right? twenty-five kilometers from downtown. So this, so I guess uh, you get a guy who's in good standing with the league, who spent uh, a lot of money. There's apparently local partners in this as well. It's not just Ann Lauer. And the total cost nine hundred and fifty million dollars, the highest ever for an NHL team. And yeah. it's the Senators. Yeah, they were valued at six hundred and fifty million just like uh, five months ago. Kind of a spin zone here is Michael Ann Lauer has to sell ten per, his ten percent shares in the Montreal Canadiens. Well, by the price being so high for the Senators, doesn't that just make his shares more valuable that he's selling? Yeah. If it's the Montreal Canadiens. So it sounds think. like Jeff Molson's just the majority owner of the Habs is just going to eat those up too. Mm. That's an easy check for him to cut. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the arena is number one, Christian. There's no question about that. And number two is repairing the the, the corporate base around the Senators because a lot of the a lot of kind of the main local sponsors were taken away. So you're right. Not only are there local sponsors, but the number one sponsor is the Malhotra family who owns Claridge Homes, which is one of the big builders. And of course, you need a developer. Developer, if you're planning on building a new yeah. arena, so that's one there. And then the owner or founder of Farm Boy, which is now owned by Sobeys, but a local grocery store, they're one of the big ones as well. And uh, funny enough, the founder of uh, Farm Boy, his brother played a thousand games in the NHL, Jason York. I don't know if that's oh, yeah. a name you remember. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so his brother's the uh, the founder of Farmboy. Okay. So 20 local groups are in. It, it's going to feel local. It's going to feel like an Ottawa business. And funny enough, we mentioned that because the uh, the whole reason, apparently, why the sale dragged on a little bit longer is most of Eugene Melnick's money is in Barbados. So they had oh. to go into the Caribbean bank accounts. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he paid, what, $92 million for this team? With the rink. 20 years ago. And he's and his estate is has gotten 10 times that. Yes. It's wild. Now, there's a bit of debt that they're going to have to pay off. Apparently, the rumor is about $400 million in debt. Okay. But you're still looking at the end there and saying, yeah, good investment. He tried his best to put it in the ground. He really did. And so if you're a Sens fan now, uh, we know that owners, new owners often want to do stuff. We saw that the the most recent new owner in the Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia, immediately they acquire Kevin Durant. Yep. Didn't care what, but the repercussions of it. <laughs> now the sale isn't going to be official probably for a couple months still. Yeah. And that's, you know, the season starts, you can't really do anything there, but do you get the feeling that an organizational shakeup is necessary in Ottawa? I'm of the mind that the two men who's, who's been a part of this rebuild since day one, and maybe day five, because uh, the first year was still Guy Boucher, Mark Crawford, but then DJ Smith came in at head coach. I wouldn't argue if they decided to, to to go a different direction, but I also see an argument where you give him 15 games. Very tight leash to start the season. Say, look, November's been the problem for Ottawa. They won four out of their first six games last year and then went 3-10-1 and one in November. They just, And then the year before, they went 1-10-1 in November. And then they're out of it. They're completely out of it. So they need to figure out a way to navigate November. And sure enough, the NHL threw a little grenade in the mix, too, sending them over to Sweden for two games in right. the middle of November. Both home games, by the way. They oh. lose out on two home dates so that the mighty Maple Leafs lose out on none. They play two road games over there. I mean, huh. I, we've talked about, though, I the, know. the the revenue for a loss Leafs game is going to be a lot more than a loss ends game. I know. But even Minnesota and Detroit got one and one, and they just had to take both home games. Anyways, You're that's, not bitter. No, I'm definitely not bitter at all. And maybe it's because the last time they went overseas, they came back and won two of their next 20 games, and the rebuild started. They traded for Matt Duchesne. They go over there. They win both games against Colorado. Duchesne beats his old team twice. They come back. I don't know what happened on that flight home. Something had to happen. You could make an ESPN 30 for 30 on what happened on that flight. But the wheels fell off after. But to answer your question, long story short, I see the merit of bringing back both Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith. There's rumors that Dorian is attached to Smith and says, if he, if I come back, he's coming back. That's my guy. I respect the loyalty. But I also would respect Michael Anlauer if he's like, hey, I have guys who I know I like. Rumor being Patrick Watt, head coach. Rumor being Steve Steos at GM. I'm not about to say that I'm not about to nitpick somebody's $950 million purchase and how they see fit, right. but they can't do it until the inks dry. I thought there would be a realistic way where you could say, because the Melnick sisters, the family's keeping 10%. Couldn't the majority owner who is taking over and everybody knows it just filter the decisions through them? Because don't they want what's best for the team too? I guess you get kind of caught up in some legalities there. I'm not sure. But yeah, I don't think he's getting the keys per se until September. And this is a team that you expect, and I'll get you out on, here on this. To oh, are you co- going to make me say playoffs? Well, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Oh. But they, hey, Pierre Dorian went out and got Claude Giroux. Yep. He went out and got Jacob Chikrin. He's made big swings for a team that most people didn't think was in a position to make big swings. And so you look at this upcoming season and you wonder, is that the expectation? 
It has to be for the GM or else he should be let go. Right. It has to be for the head coach or else he should be let go. But I don't think so from the standpoint that, let's say, Winnipeg was this year where it's on the players. Like, if the Sens don't make playoffs this year, I don't think Brady Kachuk's getting traded next summer. Sure. Right? Tim Stutzel is going to be in the first year of an eight-year. I don't think from the standpoint of players it is, but certainly for, for these guys being in charge of the rebuild, yes. Okay. Well, wow, I skirted around that one. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> it's June 14th. The season just ended yeah. last night, so yeah. that's okay. Ross, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and Always. Uh, thanks for filling in when I'm away. Always. I try to keep the seat warm for you. Awesome. That's Ross Levitan. You can hear him on the Locked on Senators podcast, as well as coming up at 930 on, right here on CJOB doing the news update. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain the